pray, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for this night. Thank you for what you've already done here tonight, Lord, for your presence that's with us. Thank you for the promise that in your presence is fullness of joy. Wherever the Spirit is ruling and reigning as Lord, there is freedom, Lord. And so I pray, God, that you would direct what I'm about to say here tonight. I pray for ears to hear. I ask, Lord, for any uh, distractions just to be pushed away in Jesus' name. I pray for a spirit of fear to be lifted off of any brother or sister here dealing with fear tonight. I pray for a, a heavy and a burdened spirit to be lifted in Jesus' name tonight. I pray for any hopelessness, Lord, to be changed into complete hope and confidence, Lord, that you will do what you've promised to do. So we need you now, Lord. We need you, Lord. I'm praying, Father, for you to reveal. Now, I'm just gonna ask the Holy Spirit to speak into your hearts. We can all hear the Holy Spirit. His sheep know his voice. Anything you wanna say, Lord, that you want to dive in the middle of in our hearts, any any blockages? You said you're a, a fountain sealed. My darling, I pray you'd show us, Lord, where are we stiff-arming you, Lord, any offensive way, anywhere we've closed the door and not allowed you in, would you bring revelation, Holy Spirit, even now? the father of our spirits. So I ask, would you lead us and guide us, Lord? Show us the way to walk in. And I pray that you would change our minds, change our hearts and our wills to say yes to your way, Lord. I got the honor this week of praying with my seven-year-old, Amos Michael. Stand up, Amos. Turn around and wave at everybody. Say hi. Amos Michael, born March 31st, 2013 on Easter Sunday. And he was sitting at the dinner table after we ate. And I said, what do you want to talk about? Mom said, he has something to talk about. I said, I want to invite Jesus into my heart. So we got the chance for the next 30 minutes. And he was kind of, it was interesting because I was crying way more than he was and holding on to him and just, just prophesying over him and blessing him. But he had a little uh, toy in his hand, uh, and I said, what you're doing now is you're making an exchange, and you're giving Jesus your life. So I said, I'm pretend I'm Jesus. So I took the little, the little egg filled with silly putty, and so I took it away from him, and I said, now I'm Jesus. Now I've got your life. And what happens is, and I've never said this with any of my other kids, I said, Amos, you might be asked to lay down your life for Jesus someday you might have to decide whether you're going to live or die based on your obedience and allegiance to Jesus. 
And I said, but what happens is, even if you lose your life, you're gonna wake up in heaven and Jesus, I was holding this egg and I said, you're gonna stand before him and he'll say, I've been guarding your life for you. Now here it is. And it's eternal life. And you'll never die again. You'll never get sick. We'll never have to say goodbye. And I was so, you know, the teacher's twice taught. And as I was saying that, I was picturing Jesus saying, I've got your life. Joanne said it to me tonight prophetically. I've got you. I've got you in the palm of my hand. Even if you die, I'm about to trade your life in for something you've never even asked or imagined. What is sown perishable will be raised imperishable. What's been sown in weakness will be raised in glory and honor. And so that's all we're doing. Thanks, you can sit down, buddy. I think we have another, we have another little boy. Which one? Jediah right here. Stand up, buddy. Turn around and say hi to everybody. And how old are we? Seven. Two seven-year-olds. Year of sevens. Another one. Saved from lives of sin and debauchery at seven years old. Praise the Lord. Love you guys. So we've got these little ones and it's just such a big deal for them. I was seven years old when I said yes to him in 1991. Here they are, seven years old, saying yes to Jesus, marked at a young age. And we need burning children in this age. We, I'm so proud of what Chris and Julie are doing. I didn't ask them to do this. No one in leadership asked them to. The Holy Spirit asked them to do this. And they said yes to that. Praying for revival at the middle school, revival at the high school, revival at the college. The only way this is going to happen is for the Lord to change individual hearts at young ages to turn them over to Him. So, take a few minutes and share this. What I want to say to you tonight ties in with Joanne, what she just said, which was that in the end times, in the last hour that we're in, there is going to be a plethora of opportunities for us all to be deceived, meaning way more opportunities than we have had heretofore. We are going to have multiplied, multiplied opportunities to the point where many are going to fall away because of deception. And the only way to know the truth and to not be deceived is to know him in a deep way. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. The only way to protect ourselves from deceit is to know him intimately in that quiet place, to go deep with him. So go with me, if you would, to Matthew uh, chapter 24. And I've, I've said this, actually, I feel like two or three times this year, but I think it's worth saying again. Matthew chapter 24, the disciples are asking Jesus about the, the signs in the end of the times. Deception started really early on. You remember in the garden, did God really say? Attack of the mind is where that happens. In the end times, for, Paul tells Timothy that in the end times, there is going to be many who depart from the faith, who devote themselves to deceitful teachings of demons. And then he says later on in 2 Timothy, he says, Evil people in the end times will go from bad to worse. They will be deceived and they will be deceivers of others. They'll be deceived and being deceived even more and more and more. It's going to increase. If you haven't noticed already, deception is on like a rocket ship climb. Even in the last 10 years, absolute mockery of God that's called good. Absolute evil that's called choice or it's called diversity or it's, or it's called these, these noble names. It's, we're, we're trading in good for evil and evil for good. 
And deception is rampant on the planet right now. 2 Thessalonians 2 says, Let no one deceive you. That day will not come unless the, the man of lawlessness is, is up in the place where he needs to be. Then at the end, there will be much deception at the end. So the disciples say to Jesus, When? When will this happen? In Matthew chapter 24, When will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? Jesus takes 33 verses to actually get to his answer to this question. And his answer to that question is, no one knows. I don't know. The angels don't know. Only the Father knows. But he thinks it's worthwhile saying, before I answer your small-minded question, let me give you the answer you really need to be asking. And he says, watch out. They should have said, what should we watch out for? And Jesus said, let me answer it for you. Watch out in verse 4 that no one leads you astray or deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. Then he goes on to talk about wars and rumors of wars and what's going to happen. Then he gets to verse 11. He says, and many false prophets will appear and they will deceive many people. And then he talks about lawlessness increasing, the love of many grown cold, and he gets to chapter uh, 24, verse 23, and he says, At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. Close yourself up right now to even thinking about, don't believe that. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear, and they will perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See? I've told you ahead of time. Verse 26, so if anyone tells you there he is out in the wilderness, don't go. Don't weary yourselves out looking for me. Or here he is in the inner rooms. Don't believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so it will be even at the Son of Man. I want you to look at the four sections in here where he talks about deception. In verse four, watch out that no one person deceives you, individual. One person can come and deceive you. Secondly, many will come saying they're the Messiah and they will deceive many. So no one person deceives you. Watch out that the many false messiahs don't deceive many. And then he gets to verse 11. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many. One person deceives you. Many false messiahs will deceive many. Many false prophets will deceive many. And then he wraps it up when he gets to verse 24. For, and then he joins them together. False messiahs and false prophets will appear. And oh, wait for this. It's going to get even harder. They're going to be performing great, not just signs and wonders, great signs and wonders and miracles. And get this, they will be deceiving, if possible, even the elect of God. Okay, so notice the progression. One person gets you. A lot of people are deceived when a lot of false messiahs show up. A lot more are deceived when false prophets show up. But the real danger comes when messiahs and prophets, the false ones, start doing great signs and wonders and miracles. Even the elect might be led astray. So Jesus puts a huge emphasis on this. And he says in verse 26, choose right now not to believe it. 
And here's how I'm going to help you. Choose right now not to even go out searching for it. Not to chase down the theories. If Jesus is back, it's going to be very, very murky during that time. Choose right now not to go chasing after why. Because just like lightning goes from one end of the sky, you can't miss it. It's so clear. It's going to be extremely, extremely clear. We are not compared to foxes or raccoons in the New Testament. Yes, we are compared to sheep. Sheep, sheep are not very intelligent. They're not the smartest animal. We're not made to be super smart to figure out the signs of the times. All we have to do is trust him that he's going to make it clear and don't be deceived. How do we do this? How do we spot the real from the fake? How do we know this? Well, one thing that I don't think we're terribly good at in the church that I think we have to be good at, and this is the crux of what I want to say to you, the Bereans study the scriptures. Why? To argue their point? No, to see if what they said was true. How do we know what's true? We know what's in this book. We know what the Bible says. We don't go beyond what's written. We say, I I was talking to Joanne about this uh, the other day. We we want to believe something. I I really want to believe sometimes that everybody goes to heaven. I really do. Like my my merciful heart, I want to believe that no matter how bad you've been, you go to heaven. But I can't believe that because of what the Bible says. So I got to take my super smart brain and my opinions and I got to submit that to the authority of scripture. Pun intended about my brain. His ways, I'm borrowing wisdom from a God who's trillions of years old and beyond. He has no birth and will have no death. And I'm going to assume I, I understand better what judgment should be in righteousness There are certain things I hate believing, but I have to because the scripture says it. And that's okay because we are not our own. We belong. We've been bought. We've been been transferred out of our own ownership, the devil's ownership, into the ownership of Jesus Christ. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says it this way. Test all the prophecies. Do not despise the prophecies, but test them all. We don't hold prophecy with contempt. We highly value prophecy in this church. I heard the Holy Spirit say, the wind is blowing and the wine is flowing. That's not in the Bible, but it matches up with what the Bible says. And I believe it's prophetic in this season. You can believe that if you want to or not, but I highly value what prophecy does. But if I come up here and I say something that's off, it's not right, it doesn't line up with scripture. Man, I hope you're the first man or woman to come to me and say, I've tested that. That doesn't line up. That doesn't plumb with scripture. You can't say that. And if I'm a good brain, I'll say, you're right. I can't say that. We test everything and we let go of what's false. I don't write them out of town like they're a false prophet if they missed it. But I'm like, I'm not going to hold on to that word. I'm going to let that go. I will not treat it with contempt. 1 John 4 says, don't believe every spirit. On the upfront, don't believe it. Evil spirits sometimes will come and talk to you. You have to test them. Jesus is Lord, it says there. So we want to do a good job. There was tons of prophetic words that Donald Trump was going to win a second term. Almost every prophetic word I heard was that he was going to win a second term. Why is that? Why is that? 
The people genuinely believed that. They weren't trying to falsify that and they weren't trying to lead people astray, but they were wrong. All of them were wrong. So what do we do? We just got a big, huge dose of reality and we learned, oh, just because someone has a big stage and millions of followers doesn't mean they're always right. The word of God is always right. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 11. There's going to be a lot of options for us. There already are getting to be more and more. Even in what we call the church today, there's a lot of these options. Start with me in verse 2 of 2 Corinthians 11. I'm jealous with you for godly jealousy, people of God. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, so your minds may somehow be led astray from your pure and sincere devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus, other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. So what's going to happen is there's going to be multiple options for Jesus. It's going to be a Jesus, a version of Jesus that doesn't really mean everything he said in the Bible and is not really a Jesus who says, bring those wicked people here who did not want me to rule over them and slay them in front of me, Luke 19. I don't like that Jesus. What I do like is the one that hangs out with prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners, and he's love. That's the Jesus I'll take. I'll take a version of the Holy Spirit of God. Like, yay, tongues and prophecy and, and charisma. I'm shaking. I love it. That's fun. But I don't like the Holy Spirit that burns. And he comes to me like fire and he convicts me of my sin in the middle of the night. And I'm broken and can't speak a word. I don't like that Holy Spirit. I like the gospel that gets me into heaven. I don't like the gospel that requires I lose my life. I like the version of the gospel that works for me. Lots of options. And let me tell you what, turn on YouTube and, and watch some celebrity preachers and tell me if there's not a different Jesus, different spirit, different gospel being preached. Not all of them, but man, it's grieving. How do we be careful of what we hear preached, of what we receive spiritually, and what we accept as a gospel. Those are the action words. He says, if you hear a Jesus preached, or if you receive a different spirit, or if you accept a gospel, what are you hearing? What are you receiving? And what are you accepting? This is not a scare tactic. Like a lot of denominations are like, be careful, be careful of the Holy Spirit. You got to be cautious and careful. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying discernment is needed in these last days. I've got four hallmarks of deception for you. You know how you're being deceived? According to scripture, here's four. There's more, but I think these are really helpful. Number one, the plumb line of devotion to Jesus gets moved. 
Just as Eve was deceived by his cunning, your minds could be led astray from what? Pure devotion to Jesus. When Jesus becomes optional and it becomes about the manifestation or it becomes about the theology or it becomes about the denomination or even the good social justice, when Jesus get, when we get off bubble, that's deceptions right around the corner, guys. It's right there. But if I've got complete devotion to Jesus and everything he says here, I'm protected. Secondly, Romans 16, smooth talk and flattery. You hear people trying to tickle your ears. By smooth talk and flattery, they actually weasel into women's uh, lives and homes. It says he's talking about evil men that come in. They destroy the faith of many. Hearing people talk with a silver tongue, and it just sounds too drippy sweet like honey, it might not be true. If they're flattering you, you're awesome. I heard that on Caleb the other day. Don't you fear, girl. You, God loves you just the way you are. You're awesome. Like, no, I'm not. I've got a deceitful, wicked heart. That's the whole reason the gospel's great. Jesus is awesome. I got nothing good inside of me. I'm loved because I'm his. I get what they're trying to say, but don't broadcast that out to a million of people. You're awesome. God has a special plan for your life. Yeah, it's called the cross. It's positive and encouraging, and it's deadly, man, I'm telling you. I, man, I'll tell you, I'm not going to say it publicly what I think about what's going to happen with Caleb. Number three, number three, a hallmark, a hallmark of deception, confusion. Anybody ever been around somebody, and you're like, man, I just flat out am confused right now. They seem like a godly person. I just man, this seems muddy. I don't understand. It seems like so close to the truth, but something seems off. Galatians 1 verse 7 says, what is really no gospel at all, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. Confusion comes and the distorting of the gospel of Christ is close behind it. People are trying to pervert and trying to deceive you when you feel confused. The Lord is not the author of what? Confusion. Any confusion is never from the Lord. There can be like a waiting and a pause and you don't understand, but that swirling in your head, that's not from the Lord. That's an evil spirit. Number four, and lastly, is others' input from God for your life that gets elevated above what Joanne was saying earlier, your personal intimate relationship with Jesus and your knowledge of the word. Others, always, always, always. look at Galatians 1.7. Some people are throwing you into a confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But look, even if we, Paul says me, or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than what we preached, let them be under God's curse. It's from the outside in is where deception comes from. From, the out, from others coming to you and saying, God told me this about your life. Be careful about that. If it doesn't ring true inside, doesn't mean you can't get a prophetic word from somebody. Praise the Lord. I got people I trust. I can, they can speak into my life and I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that's gonna ring true. But I'm careful 
I don't just let my brain drop out of the back of my head and just accept everything. I do what the Bible says, test everything. Test, test, test. Someone, Second Peter 2 talks about people who sneak in and introduce destructive heresies. And then this story that I want to wrap up with. Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 13. I've heard this story before. It's one of the most wild, incredible, just incredible story in the Old Testament to me. I just, I really can't get my mind wrapped around. Uh, God is so wise that he would give us these, these different, f- uh, just angles on deception and spiritual abuse. And it's just, it's a fascinating story to me. Man, if you meditated on this, anytime this week, you'll be blessed. I just want to read this story to you. First Kings chapter 13. By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel as King Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. Let me give you a backdrop. Jeroboam was the new and installed king of Israel. Rehoboam and Jeroboam had split the kingdom after Solomon. Remember, David, Solomon, and then bam, kingdom had split and the kingdom of Judah, kingdom of Israel. So you got Jeroboam who was rebellious and took the kingdom of Israel. You got um, the, the King Rehoboam that was in Judah that was rebellious, yes, but they were still after the line of David and Lord was blessing Judah. Jeroboam, remember, he was like the worst of the worst. When people talk about the sins of future kings, they say he was like Jeroboam. He did what Jeroboam did. The only one that was worse was Ahab. He was worse than Jeroboam. It's a crazy, uh, crazy interesting story. But Jeroboam, one way or the other, was a bad dude. He had just introduced golden calves at Bethel and Dan to say, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. Worship them. He was, he was a bad dude. So a man from Judah from the opposite side came in to the king of Israel. By the word of the Lord, in verse 2, he cried out against the altar. Altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David from the land of Judah. On you, on this altar, he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here and human bones will be burned on you. King Josiah or or King Jeroboam, what you're saying is consecrated, is about to be desecrated when another king from the line of Judah comes in and burns the false priests on this altar. Happened 340 years later. Fascinating fulfillment of prophecy. Josiah raised up his young boy king and he did it on that altar right there. That same day, a man of God gave a sign. This is the sign that the Lord has declared. This altar will be split apart and the ashes on it will be poured out. When King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar of Bethel, he stretched out his hand. Nobody likes to hear the truth. And said, seize him. But the hand he stretched out toward the man shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. Also, the altar was split apart and the ashes poured out immediately, according to the sign given by the man of God, word of the Lord. One prophecy is going to come true 340 years from now. This one came true today. The king said to the man of God, now he has a shriveled hand, intercede with the Lord, your God, and pray for me that my hand will be restored. So the man of God takes on this representation of Jesus and he intercedes for the persecutor and he interceded for the Lord and the king's hand was restored and became as it was before. The king said to the man of God, now I like you. Now you've healed my hand up. I'm not mad at you anymore. Come with me to my house for a meal and I'll give you a gift. 
But the man of God answered the king, even if you were to give me half of your possessions or half of your kingdom, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. Why? For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, quote, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and did not return by the way he'd come to Bethel. He's doing great. Now there is a certain old prophet living in Bethel. Old prophet, meaning older than the man of God, young prophet who came and just spoke against Jeroboam, whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. They also told their father what he had said to the king. Their father asked him, which way did he go? And his son showed him which road the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to his son, saddle my donkey. They settled the donkey and he mounted it. He rode after the man of God. He found him sitting under an oak tree because this guy had been fasting. He had not eaten any food or drank any water, obeying the Lord, traveling to speak to the king, traveling on his way back. He's worn out. He's sitting under an oak tree and this old prophet says, are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, come home with me and eat. Second invitation to dinner. But he left out the gift part. The king said, I'm a greasy king. I don't really care about the Lord, but I care about winning favor. I'll give you a gift. This prophet didn't say that. He said, just come eat with me. The man of God said, no way. I cannot turn back and go with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. Why? Because I've been told by the word of the Lord, quote, you must not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way you came. The old prophet answered, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. So the man of God returned with him and ate and drank at his house. No bueno. Here's where it gets really crazy. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who brought him back and he cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says. And he gives them the truth, an accurate prophetic word. You have defied the word of the Lord and have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. You came back and you ate bread and drank water in the place where he told you not to eat or drink, the one he invited him to. Therefore, your body will be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. So when the man of God had finished eating and drinking, which is crazy to me, okay, can I finish my meal? This is my last meal. And the prophet who had brought him back saddled his donkey for him. As he went on his way, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his body was left lying on the road with both the donkey and the lion standing beside it. The old man's prophet came and reported it to the, um, the, the old man's sons came and reported it to the old prophet. And the, the old prophet said in verse 26, is this, this is the man of God who defied the word of the Lord. The Lord has given him over to the lion, which has mauled him and killed him as the word of the Lord had warned him. The prophet said to his sons, saddle my donkey for me a third time. And they did so. Then he went out and found the body lying on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. The lion had neither eaten the body or mauled the donkey. So the prophet picked up the body of the man of God, laid it on his donkey and brought it back to his own city to mourn for him. And bury him. Then he laid the body in his own tomb, and they mourned over him. And he said, Alas, my brother. After burying him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones, for the message he declared by the word of the Lord against the altar of Bethel and against all the shrines of the high places in the towns of Samaria will certainly come true. And even after this, Jeroboam didn't repent. He just got worse and worse and worse. 
He did not respond to this. Why am I saying this today? I believe y'all and me are not going to be deceived by someone saying, you got to put a chip in your hand that has 666 on it. You have to deny your faith to eat. I don't think that deception is going to work. What I do fear is that the entire church is going to be led astray by angels of light that present themselves and masquerade as servants of God, just like this dude did. How was this man of God deceived? Number one, out of his devotion to respect and honor an older generation before him, which is a good thing. The enemy played off of that, and he actually made the word of God secondary to his respect for an older prophet, and he went with him. Because he's more spiritually advanced than me, and he knows the Bible, he has to know the Bible way better than I do. I'll go along with him, even though it doesn't ring true. Number two, he was deceived because of close identification. I'm in the same stream as you are. I'm a prophet just like you. Therefore, you ought to listen to me. Sometimes the birds of a feather flock together. We can do that. We can say, because this, my group says this, I agree with this. Be careful. Be careful of that. Number three, the old prophet claimed a spectacular spiritual experience. Anybody ever heard anybody do this? An angel from heaven told me this about you. Oh, wow. Well, that emotionally stirs me up and I'm going to respond. And so we, we take the word of God down and we move this spectacular experience up. Remember the plumb line of Jesus? He is the word. If we get off that, we get deceived. Number four, this man claimed to speak for God by the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord in your life. Well, that can be a little bit intimidating sometimes. The Lord told me this for you. Test it. Smile. Say, thank you. I'm going to go pray about that. We test that word. And lastly, appearance of piety. I don't want to give you a gift. I just want you to come eat a meal with me. It's very, very simple. God never contradicts himself. God says, go here, don't eat, don't drink, and come back by a different road. God told me the opposite for you. God never, God would tell you that, obviously. He never goes back on his word. You don't have to flip there. But when Nehemiah was building, was he, he was rebuilding the wall with the people of Israel. The attack against the building of the wall started with like mockery and insults. It kind of started going down the line. They started getting a little more advanced with their attack. Mockery and ridicule, insults, and then anger and threats. Y'all need to stop building this wall. False friendship. Let's meet in the village together. The last thing before the wall was completed was an attempt at false religion. And a false prophet came to Nehemiah and said to him, let's meet in the house of God tonight because your life is in danger. And Nehemiah was as close to giving into that one as any of them. The affronts that came to him, the, the mockery and the insults and the attacks, he dealt with that. But when the false prophet came and said, let's go into the house of God, he was tempting him to sin because only priests were allowed in the house of God. 
He almost tripped up there, but then he said, I realized God didn't send him. Sanballat and Tobias, that my enemies, they sent him to me to trip me up, to prophesy against me. That was right before the walls were built. Right before Israel came into the promised land, remember who was sent against them? Balaam. And they couldn't defeat them militarily. They had to defeat them with Balaam sending sexual deviants into the camp and deceiving them sexually. Right before they crossed over. I'm telling you guys, right before a massive breakthrough for the church, deception is coming. Deception is coming for the little ones right now. It's coming after our souls. I'm pleading with you like Jesus did. Watch over your hearts and your minds closely. Know what the scripture says. Know what's in this book. It's not fair to me that the young prophet got led astray by the old one. It was so, that's such a cruddy story in, in my opinion. But I'm like, but he didn't stick to the word of God. There's no excuse for that. And so the Lord's saying to us, know my presence, know the word, and you'll be protected from deception to the end. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. Well, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this season. And just take whatever is of the spirit of this, let it remain forever, Lord. I'm praying you just burn away the flesh. Lord, I, I pray, God, that you would protect us as a people from deception. I'm asking, Father, for minds that are guarded, Lord, from the attack of the enemy, that lying snake that comes to deceive the nations, Lord. And I'm asking, Father, that you would help us to know the truth. The truth would set us free. I pray for lovers of your word in this last hour here, God. I pray a blessing, Lord, over the youth and what happens with the youth group this next week for our prayer meetings coming up, Lord. I pray a blessing over 2021, Lord. I pray the greatest hour, Lord, we've ever experienced that is upon us right now. I pray, Father, that we'd see it in our day, Lord. The church would be raised up in a mighty way, God. We thank you for your great love for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.